I'm Dave Tussing, and you're listening to George Fox Talks Leadership. Emily, really good to see you today. Thank you so much yeah, for joining me. Yeah, you too. Me. Thank you. It's, uh, it's always great to be able to do this, even though it's over Zoom. Someday we'll get to meet again in person. But until then, yes. this will suffice. But I think we're getting I closer to I know, it's been a day. long time. <laughs> yeah, it has. <laughs> so um, today we're going to be talking about coaching and growth and strengths. And so for me, these terms in the past have meant like things I didn't even really know. Um, coaching to me meant like, okay, I'm playing basketball. Somebody's telling me how to shoot better or something like that. When it came to coaching in a professional context or on like personal growth, I kind of felt like it was a weird thing. Like, why would somebody need that? You know, that reflects more on me than anything, <laughs> I would say. But today I wanted to explore with you coaching and and you are a wonderful coach and you do this for your living. Um, and, I do. And you, not just for that. You do it because you love it, which is great. I mean, I think that's um, really wonderful. So today we'll just talk about, you know, what coaching is, how uh, it can Im- impact a person's life individually, but also in a business context, how leaders could and should do this with their teammates and really just break it down into, into like, what is coaching and what are strengths and how do we use those? And so um, maybe you could give a quick intro of kind of what your day in your life is like and how you apply these concepts um, throughout. Yeah. So uh, my day, especially my day didn't change that much with COVID, <laughs> which is kind of nice for me. Um, I have done a lot of over Zoom coaching for, gosh, um, professionally and 100% of my time since about 2014. So about eight years now. That's Wow. Yeah. I, you know, that's almost shocking to think it's been that long. I think that's about um, when I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually, yeah, definitely our move to Oregon um, is really kind of what sparked a full-time coaching. Um, I have a background in strategic technologies and then God really took me out of that and took me into politics, which is a crazy change. I know, <laughs> but um, I was in politics for a number of years. But at the same time, my husband, Brian, who used to work with you, Dave, um, he was traveling about 40 weeks a year to the Bay Area for work. And so he would travel back on either Thursday or Friday night at midnight. And so would my senator. And I worked at a state office for a senator. And I got a choice. Do I get to spend my weekend with my husband or do I get to spend it with my senator? And um, my senator (laughs) won out about 90% of the time. So that was really difficult. And I just really knew God was kind of putting me through a change, Um, kind of knew I needed to step back. And so I stepped back. But for the first time in my life, I did not know what was next. And um, I just happened to be, we just built a house. I was sitting in Joanne's parking lot, um, ready to go in to pick out some fabric. I'll never forget this. I'm sitting in my car and I just happened to be scrolling Facebook before I walked in. And there was a man that I had uh, known from my church for many years. And he was a coach. And he just said something about finding your purpose. And I was like, I, I know I need that. So I reached out immediately, and before I even walked in the door of Joanne's, he had messaged me back and said, let's get together. And this man ended up coaching me and ended up becoming my mentor and me falling in love with coaching and being coached. Um, That kind of just started me on my journey. So when we went from Brian traveling to moving out to Oregon, um, my 
my job was portable. It was great. I could go anywhere in the world and be a coach and do it remotely. So hmm. that's kind of my coaching journey. Yeah. I wouldn't have even realized. Uh, I think I had forgotten that you were in politics prior to that, but all these I different was. previous experiences yeah. we have can play into to the next thing we do too, which is awesome. Absolutely. So there's different aspects that you touched on in coaching there. Uh, a couple that I wanted to touch on is, you know, for an individual, what's what's a common trigger for somebody to begin uh, exploring what coaching is or how it could be beneficial to them? Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of different things. One is you're just going through a life transition. A mm-hmm. lot of my coaching clients either are going through a life transition or they feel like they're stuck. And so uh, they just don't feel like what they're doing is fulfilling or, you know, it could be some sort of a life trigger. I've got a lot of women going back into the workforce after raising kids. Um, So there's a lot of different triggers like that, but it is usually some sort of life transformation or they're in a place where they're like, I don't love what I do anymore and I need a big change. And so that somebody walking them through that transformation and that trigger of needing that change is um, I feel like that's what my role as a coach is. That's great. And for for businesses, I don't know if you've done much of this sort of consulting, but I think you have, you know, helping them develop a coaching curriculum or framework or or program to coach people. Um, I mean, obviously, I think I'm kind of priming, priming the answer here, but do you think that's a good thing for businesses to do is setting up a coaching program? Oh, I, well, I think <laughs> it's essential because it drives engagement. And if you don't have an engaged workforce, you're going to lose your workforce. So uh, I think it's probably one of the most important things. Um, when I work with, I, I do a lot of, I'll go in and maybe do a retreat with a team and kind of talk about that. And um, we talk a lot about why is it important. And, you know, if you're investing in your strengths of your people, mm-hmm. it's driving that engagement. They get to do what they do best every day. And if you're coaching them and helping them move forward and you're showing them how much you care about them, then they're more likely to stay. And it it feels like more of a team. They feel more invested. They feel like they're part of something instead of, oh, I just come to work and I get things, these things done. And then my boss takes the credit. (laughs) So it's a very different atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you've talked a little about a couple of things. You mentioned strengths in there, but talk about your just philosophy of, on coaching and how you approach it with people and how you, you know, help, help yeah. other coaches become better coaches. Just what's the philosophy? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm pretty biased because the way that I started kind of my transformation of life was strengths. And um, the reason I started there is because I had for, really forgotten who I was. You know, I was um, people pleasing. I was trying to do whatever it was needed to be done. Um, and I really needed to figure out who I was in order to understand God's purpose for my life. And so that became a very important aspect. So starting with strengths and Clifton Strength specifically, which is a Gallup organization. And I know you've had somebody on already that's talked about strengths, so I won't go into kind of the background of it. But um, understanding who I was helped me to figure out what my unique purpose was on this earth. And that then drove my action forward. So I think what I do with all of my coaching clients is we do the strengths assessment. We spend time really digging in to those top 10 strengths. Um, I really like the top 10 because I think that that's really a person's signature set. They're 
kind of insatiable. I can't help it. It's going to come out in my life somewhere in one of my domains of life. You know, we've got five domains, personal, family, vocation, spiritual, and community. You're going to see a strength come out in one of those areas. And so if you can really understand what your strengths are, then you really can understand, okay, now how does that inform how God has created me to move forward and what purpose I fulfill on this earth? Yeah. So what would that look like, you know, if someone wanted to try to do this without a coach? Like if they're like, I'm scared of getting a coach, but maybe I want to dip my toe in the pool of this coaching mm-hmm. thing a little bit. Um, or maybe, you know, learn about strengths first and say, hey, I actually could benefit from somebody walking me through this. I mean, what's that look like? Or how do you how do you encourage someone to start? Yeah. Well, you know, there's an online assessment. It's not hard. You go out. And the coolest part, I think, about the Gallup, I, you know, I've done all the assessments. I started doing them in high school, Myers-Briggs, all the, yeah. you know, the color <laughs> code, all the different ones, right? <laughs> yeah. And one one thing that I recognized about some of those, quote, personality tests is you could kind of figure out what they wanted you to say mm. from the assessment. And so then you just answered that way. I'm a high achiever, N- not in my strengths assessment is I'm not an achiever in a strengths, but I, I am like a high driven person. And so I could kind of figure out like, okay, in this situation, what are they really wanting me to say here? And I think we just tend to do that because we want to have the outcome be what somebody else wants it to be. With the strength, the Clifton Strengths Assessment, you really can't do that. They're a bunch of numbered pairs. You just have to answer, and you don't really understand why they're asking what they're asking. But it's crazy. I've coached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I have never had a coaching call where a person's like, this is totally not me. <laughs> they might have one that they say, um, I don't see how this is, you know, I don't see this one, but usually it's like three of them are right on one of them. They're like, I don't know how that fits. And then they're like, but why am I not this other one? Right. So right. there's, there's definitely some patterns that you see in people, but with Clifton strengths, pretty, um, I think uniquely, you don't know what they're asking. And so you just can't help, but just answer the questions. And it's, it's pretty, um, right on a lot. Most of the time. I'm laughing because someone, um, just did this assessment that I know very well recently. And, and they were very annoyed with that test because uh-huh. they're like, what is this thing asking me? It's just answer. Exactly. It, you know? <laughs> exactly. And that's, I think that's the best part because you can't cheat it. Right. Right. And, um, and what comes and the best part about it is there is not one of the 34 talents that I'm like, Oh, I hate that talent. Right. You know, I coach people all the time and I have envy on just about every talent that comes out. <laughs> And it's so much fun to meet people who have talents that I don't have and to really see how it shows up. And that's, I think that's one of the coolest parts is because even though, so Dave, I know you're an achiever. I I listened to the other podcast and you're an achiever. (laughs) Brian's an achiever. And actually you guys are both top five maximizer achievers, my husband, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. But you guys are vastly different individuals because of your other talents, right? Yeah. And so I always tell people, think of it like modeling clay. We're going to take all these talents and we're going to kind of smush them together. And what comes out is uniquely you. So your maximizer and achiever is probably going to show up differently than somebody else's. So it's less of here's how an achiever acts. And it's more of, Dave, tell me how that achiever looks in your life. Mm -hmm. And okay, show, you know, tell me how that shows up in your marriage. How does it show up in your family? How does it show up at work? How does it show up in, you know, your community and your community involvement? Okay. And then we take that and we look at it 
and we really recognize it in your life. And then we start to talk about how can you use it to accomplish your goals? Mm -hmm. How do you use it to move yourself forward in whatever area you're wanting to move forward in? So I think that's probably the most fun. You can tell yeah. I'm kind of an enthusiast. No, I get awesome. really excited yeah. about this. That's good. Um, yeah, but I've never met a person that we can't get excited about their talents and how they're and how God made them. Right. And when you, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the kind of numbers behind strengths, but the chances of someone else having the same top five as you, not even in the same order, the chances are one in two hundred seventy-eight thousand people. Right. And then if you take that to put them in order, the chances are now one in 33 million. Mm. And then if we talk about top 10 in order, the chances are one in 447 trillion. Now, (laughs) there haven't been that many people on the earth from Adam to today. And so there's a very good likelihood that you are the only person that has or will ever walk the earth with your same top 10 in order, which means you truly do live out the, that you're God's poema, his masterpiece. Mm. And there are good works that he created you to fulfill. And so that's so exciting to help people discover that and just kind of find a way forward in whatever way, whether that's personal coaching in their, you know, their personal life or whether that's with their family or, you know, in a spiritual context, in every different context, this can help. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have you know, maybe a story you'd be willing to share about where someone did the assessment and said, what is this thing? You know, they got one of these strengths. They're like, I'm not, does this even me? And kind of how did you coach them through that? And kind of what did that look like when it came to fruition? Because I think that's um, probably pretty powerful for a lot of folks. Yeah. So I can think of a number, a number of times when um, I'll have some skeptics, of course. So I get to teach, I get to coach mission teams going out from an organization that I'm on the board of in Arizona. And so every time a mission team goes out, we pull their top five and I get to do an, a, an overview session with them. And it just creates a common language for them right. on the mission field. They do a lot of medical missions. And so, you, you know, when people are kind of quote forced into taking the assessment, some of them show up like, well, I have to do this, whatever, right? right? it's not they're they're not putting really their money on the line and they're not, you know, real excited about what this is going to do. But nine times out of 10, it's like, oh, oh, this is, you know, this shows this about me. And oh, wow, uh, I didn't realize that. And what I do is I take this approach. It's called, and forgive that you'll, some of the Christian communities will hear this and think something different. But Gallup says, name it, claim it, aim it. Okay. Name it. Let's put words around a talent. What does it mean to be a developer? What does it mean to be an achiever? Claim it. How does it show up in your life? And then aim it. How do we aim it? You know, how do we start to use it to take it from a talent, naturally occurring pattern of thought, feeling, or behavior into a strength that is a productively applied talent? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I can think of a number of times. One in particular, um, I have a doctor that I work with, and he meets with me every time he goes out just because he's on a bunch of different teams. And the first time we met, he's like, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I'm a doctor. I, I have it basically kind of the I have it all together, right? And as we got to know each other and as we talked through his talents, he really recognized how his empathy talent really helps him on the mission field when he's meeting with people. And the coolest part is then I got to see it on the back end because I went to India with this organization and um, I happened to be working with the emotional health of the kids that were coming through. We were looking for um, 
just signs of abuse, neglect, and possible human trafficking type issues. And then we would we would do that, and then we would send them to the examiners for them to do their physical health, and then we would end the clinic with some spiritual health. So we talk them through some spiritual things. Well, I got to watch how the doctor that had taken some of my notes from one of the young individuals, um, he saw some things in the physical assessment of the child that helped us really connect the dots. And it was the empathy of him listening to the child. And so the next time we met, I said, I'm not going to use this name, doctor, um, do you realize how this all worked together? And he was in tears. Hmm. He didn't realize really deeply realize how his empathy was helping him as a physician mm-hmm. until those moments. Mm-hmm. And it was the coolest thing to watch. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I hope that answers no, that's your a question. Great, great one. When I had done the strengths finder a while ago, mm-hmm. one that came up, I, I had no clue what it was. Individualization was one that was in my mm-hmm. top five. And I was just like, what in the world is this? I'm, you know, not exactly a people person even, <laughs> but, um, as mm-hmm. I got to understand that one more, um, I recognized it was actually a very unique one that was pretty pretty complementary with some other other ones that I have that did give me a different way of approaching um, relationships in the workplace than some other people mm-hmm. and and so that was uh, a great example at first I was kind of like this is this isn't me I'm like an introvert <laughs> and and you know what it doesn't that <laughs> that doesn't even matter exactly, right it doesn't right. and the coolest part about it is individualization one of the things i love about it is they're so um intuitive about people mm-hmm. and so one of the things about relationship building talents that domain where individualization sits is it shows people how much you value them and love them it's it's this way that we uh show people how they how much they matter mm-hmm. And that individualization, being able to uniquely see things in people says, oh, Dave sees me. Mm-hmm. He values me. And without saying, you know, and I would say he loves me, right? He will actually wants what's best That's for me. That's the way I would actually just simplify it when I say it. To yeah. I, I just care about you. I love you, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that one surprises people, too. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, I, you know, does it really surprise? So once you dug in, did it surprise you? No, it did not. No, I mean, I think that's. I want to. I have my, to ask: Are you are you a good gift giver? Um, when I give gifts, I think I'm all right. Okay. At it. I definitely try to think a lot about the person and and what they would want and what they would enjoy. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I struggle yeah. if I don't know the person well to give them a gift. I would say. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, and that's one of, I guess, I always ask that question of yeah. individualization so that they can see, oh, yeah, because I really want to understand that person right. and I want to give them something that will really matter to them. Right. And that's that value exchange, right? right. So, yeah. uh, I I love, I this one I have talent envy on. I mean, you could probably <laughs> pick them all and I'd be like, I have a little bit of talent envy right. for all of them, right? <laughs> but um, this one specifically because um, I have a really good friend who's a high individualization and guaranteed the birthday gift I get from her, I'll look at it and be like, I didn't even know I wanted this. Or I didn't even know I needed it. But I do, right? Uh, yeah. That's so funny. it's that's really good. cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that talent. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, a, a good good um, se- segue then. You know, again, if somebody's looking to find a coach, um, how would they even go about that? I think that was where um, many people I know, it's scary at first. Like, why would I do that? I'm opening up yeah. to somebody or like, how do I find somebody I'd be comfortable with? Like, how would someone approach that? Yeah. So I think it depends on kind of your stage of life. So 
really we have to think about what what are you looking for? Like what kind of a transformation or what what kind of area of your life are you looking for change, right? So it can be as simple as a formal coaching relationship like I do, right? Um, and I get most of my clients from word of mouth. So um, I don't do any advertising at all. Usually it's people that come to me that I've been, you know, somebody else who I've coached has sent them my way. So ask your community. That's one thing is, have you ever been coached and who has coached you, right? But if you're looking for something less formal, um, it can be as simple as, so for like, like something like life coaching, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a mom, I want help. Who are your mentors, right? Do you have an actual kind of a formal mentor relationship with a woman who is in a stage of life that is further along than yours? Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite people to coach in the world are early 20s. Like I love college age or or people in their early 20s because I'm many years past that, no. right? But I, yes, but I still remember those years and I still, I, I feel like I have a lot of wisdom that I can share with them. Um, if it's a spiritual transformation you're looking for, if you're looking to go deeper, look for someone to disciple you, you know, so it doesn't have to be formal. Right. Um, you know, yes, if it's a professional setting, um, working with someone in your company and trying to find kind of a mentor who's already done what you want to do and work with them. If you want to go something more formal, I definitely go to HR and ask in your training and development. They likely have coaches that they use. Um, for some of their executives, but also have have some ideas or someone to connect you to in order to help you. Um, yeah, so a lot of mine come from people have I've coached send other people my way, mm. and I just get random phone calls that says, "Emily, we need to start meeting." So right. maybe, yeah. Um, one piece there that you mentioned it also back earlier. If you're a company that doesn't have a coaching program or or any sort of strength development program in place. How would how would you give them brief advice on where to start? Also, I think that would be interesting to some folks because you can do that to yeah. any size company. I think some people say, "Oh, that's only for big companies." Absolutely not. You know, yeah. any any no, company. No, I don't can think so. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Gallup has um, actually in their you know they have a corporate training and development people consultants that will come out to organizations and they work with some of the largest organizations and then smaller organizations, government. I mean, I go to the Gallup summits usually and the different organizations that show up from those. So you can look at coaching companies and you're going to be able to find something and they will tailor make something to whatever size your organization is. So I wouldn't worry too much about, oh, I'm too small. Okay. And then they also have um, certified coaches. So I'm a strengths, I'm a Gallup strength certified coach. Um, I think that's probably one of the most important things to me is I wanted to make sure that I could show up in the most excellent way. I am a high maximizer. But what I think was really important was um, in today's world, we do have a lot of people that just kind of throw a shingle up and say, I'm a coach. And I think that that is um, hard. That that does kind of a disservice to all of the coaches out there that have taken the time to go to school, to take the certifications, to get accredited, to go through and you know, have peer coaching and doing all of the work that they need to do in order to do their best. Um, And so I would be asking those questions. What kind of certifications do you have? You know, what kind of coaching um, classes did you take? Um, You know, those kinds of questions I think are really important, specifically for business coaches too. Um, You know, I can think of a number of business coaches who uh, they maybe just have 
yeah, they don't necessarily have a, a lot of the coaching credentials, maybe, right. that I would be looking for. Um, if you're going to be putting your money on the line and your time on the line, I would look for someone who has some proven track record and some proven accreditation. Mm-hmm. So That makes sense. And if you want to kind of make it a little uh, more, start with what you have. Um, say, you know, I have a team of direct reports, for example, and I want to be a better yeah. coach for them. Um, mm-hmm. What could I do to become a better coach for people that I'm just in a natural relationship with? Yeah, uh, I think investing in your own strengths. So one of the things that we found is, is that people um, in their leaders, they look for, you know, four main things. Trust, you know, does, can I trust this person? Do they care about me? Is there stability in the organization? And then is there some optimism, some hope, right? Yeah. Like there's a definitely I'm looking forward to the future. But what we want is they look, people look for leaders that are already investing in their own strengths. So self-awareness creates an other awareness. And so for instance, I, um, so I, you know, I started to get into coaching and I, I got coached myself. And all of a sudden I realized that I was communicating with my husband and expected things from him in a way that I would respond with my strengths. And I'm like, oh, that's totally opposite to how he does things. In fact, we are literally polar opposites. I mean, if you look at our talents, his top or my bottom and my bottom or his top. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny, actually. But what I was doing was, is I was expecting him because I was so unself-aware of how I, um, my strengths and the way that I came at things, the way that I would act, I didn't realize that, oh, this is a superpower for me. It's not natural for him. And so once I figured out, oh, okay, I'm going to have him take some, I'm going to have him take the strengths assessment and really understand how he is, um, I do things completely different. Great example. I am an activator, which means if you say to me, Emily, we need a new TV, I go pick up my purse because I think we're going shopping. What Brian means is I now need to sit down and do research. So you can imagine how that in a marriage would be like that. That's really hard, right? Well, once I realized that my deliberative husband, he needs time to stand back, look at all the obstacles, figure it all out. Once he makes the decision, then he moves. Once I realized that, I'm like, oh, I'm totally going out this the wrong way. My activator moves forward and deals with the obstacles as I hit them. So obviously, we're coming at things totally different. So if I want to talk about something, say, for instance, the budget, and he knows I does do this. So when he listens, he'll totally know that I already, that I already do this. But like, if I want to talk about the budget or something, I'll say, hey, honey, um, could we talk about the budget this weekend or on Thursday or something? I basically what I do is I start his brain moving towards what I need to talk about so that he has time to think about it. Now, it's putting the brakes on me, but it's putting the accelerator on him. And by Thursday now, we're ready to have a productive discussion instead of on Thursday, had I come without asking and talked about it, honey, we got to talk about the budget. He'd look at me and say, "Uh, I don't have capacity for that right now, or I haven't thought about it. I can't make decisions. Or... He'd give me a decision and then come back to me later with a different answer because he'd had time to think about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's also important in leadership with your teams, mm-hmm. right? If you understand the talents of your people and you're aware of what your talents are, then all of a sudden it's a different conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's also a different conversation about how we have used team synergy because, you know, uh, somebody may be a high ideation person. They've got a lot of crazy ideas, crazy meaning great, you know, like yeah. kind of out there yeah. ideas. If you surround yourself as a strategic thinker with a bunch of executors, pretty soon those ideas, they can catch on and then they execute your ideas. It's a great partnership, right? Right, right. Um, but if you just, if you don't recognize that you need those different people around you, it's a very unproductive, right. if that, help, if that yeah, makes, makes sense. it makes a lot of sense, actually. Maybe talk about that a little more, just the diversity of strengths and um, how it's better to have groups that are diverse with their strengths like that and, you know, maybe tie it back to God did create us all with unique strengths mm -hmm. for a reason. <laughs> yeah, the best example of this is um, when I started first coaching, I started in a coaching firm with my co my mentor coach and then an attorney who was also a coach. The, the three of us, we came together as a coaching partnership. And um, Joe is, like I said, he's very high ideation and maximizer. He's got some great ideas. He was always pushing us forward into new and great ideas of coaching. Um, he was kind of in that neural, like the, the brain idea before that was kind of the cool thing yeah. to talk about. And so it was so much fun to sit at staff meetings because he would start in his kind of ideation mode and he would start talking about different things. And then as a, an executor and also kind of an influencer, I would start asking questions, but knowing Joe and knowing his ideation and what he's got swirling, I know that I have to ask encouraging questions. Joe, how would that look? Tell me more about this aspect. How would that help our clients? So you're asking questions that help him uh, kind of roll that around until that idea gets legs, right? Mm -hmm. And pretty soon, he'll either say, oh gosh, I see how that won't work because 90% of ideations, their ideas kind of go out the window after they've thought about them, or we've got a good one, right? And then the executors around the table are like, oh, I see how we can do that. And then you've got the influencers around the table that are like, okay, I can totally see how we can sell this idea. So these different, having different people around the table that play different roles and understand what everyone brings to the table, now we can move forward with a great team atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And then those relationship builders come in to make sure everyone feels valued, heard, and loved, and they feel like they're part of that team. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so I think it's really important to have kind of all four of the aspects around the table so that you can work together. So if you, because if you have all strategic thinkers, no one's going to be there to execute it, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. If you if you've got all relationship building talents, everyone's going to sit around the table and love each other, but you're not going to get anything done. So you really have to be intentional about understanding, gosh, when I sit down and I build my team, high individualization, I'm sure you like this. When you're hiring people, you're thinking about how do these different aspects play together and how are we gonna work together, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. who do I partner up on different things? And how do I help my team set goals? Because it might be different depending on the different people sitting at the table. Yeah. Well, so. Yeah, that's um, great, great application. So, you know, if, last kind of question I have, if somebody... Um, is just trying to say, should I even start? I think we know the answer. But if somebody's gone through coaching and and like yourself loves it and maybe wants to turn it into a career or something else, what, what would mm -hmm. that look like for someone? 
Yeah, I would definitely say um, whatever that looks like, there's a lot of different, um, you know, coaching programs out there. You can find them at different universities. You can find them if you don't have a lot of money. So say you just got your degree and you don't want to go back to school full time. There's different, um, there's what I started with was was a small organization that was a ministry, actually, mm-hmm. that I just wanted to know, and I wanted to put, you know, $1,500 on the line rather than 10000 right. because my husband's like, okay, is, is this really, like, is this something you really want to do? And I had to figure that out, too. I thought so, but I wasn't totally sure. And so um, I started working with this ministry and took some coaching classes with them and got a, you know, a, a certification called a Certified Christian Leadership Coach. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't as expensive. And then like, okay, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to get some training. I'm going to get some mentor coaching. And then from there, so it was very much a uh, stepping up process. It didn't have to happen all at once. You don't have to. I know learners think, a lot of learners think, gosh, I need to spend the money and spend that $20,000 and just start on the road. No, maybe you just need one class because what a learner needs is to keep learning, right? Right. So um, I would, if it were me, I would start slow and figure out if it's something that you love. And if it's something that you love, then go to the next step of the next accreditation. So like Gallup does a, you know, you can become a certified strengths coach. And uh, I don't know what that costs anymore. I, I, I can't remember. But you can look at Gallup, you know, gallup.com and, and it can give you the information. So say strengths was something that you loved. I would look to get that accreditation. They have... It doesn't even take a huge time commitment. There's like a five-day course. So you take a week off of life. You do spend some thousands of dollars and you go and you get that certification and then start using that. And then if you decide, gosh, now I want to branch out a little bit and add to that. So I would just say start small, find kind of the programs that you think fit, what, um, what would work best for your life and your schedule and I did my coaching certifications while I was working. I took a year. So I, you know, I stopped, stepped back from politics and I'd started doing these coaching classes, but I, I wanted an income. So I went back to, to, uh, to, um, strategic technologies for about an, a year. And so I was doing both at the same time. I just knew that I wanted a job where I could be making some money and contributing to our family at the same time that um, I was getting these certifications. So be creative. Yeah. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a master's degree. It doesn't have to, it can be. Yeah. And um, I actually have a friend who has a master's in leadership and that is how she kind of got into coaching. So yeah, you need to do what, it, there's no, it's not, you know, one size fits right. all. You yep. need to definitely get out there and kind of figure out your own path. I would ask other coaches, reach out to another coach and ask them what they did. Right. That's so really helpful. Coaches, yeah, coaches tend to be really wanting to help you down that path. Yeah, no, I've, uh, it's really helpful. And I've met quite a few coaches who began uh, their path towards becoming a coach, being coached themselves, like you had described. And that transformative um, path and journey they went on, they want to help and replicate that for others. And, and those mm-hmm. that's usually a pretty good sign of, I think, somebody that's going to be a pretty good coach <laughs> has been my experience. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that um, you really can bring to the table how it's changed your life. Mm-hmm. And that personal experience really speaks to people. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could never have told me back in the early 2000s when I was, you know, deep in 
internet banking and mobile banking creation and all of those things, you could never have told me that I would have come to this place in my life. Mm -hmm. But it just works so much better and it's so much more who I am. Um, Yeah, can you imagine me just like sitting there, you know, project managing all day long? (laughs) I mean, I can, Um, but (laughs) it's great to see that you've found something that you really enjoy you know, that you get passionate and excited about like this and that you're seeing a, an impact in other people's lives. And, yeah. and um, it's a, it's been a, could you imagine that that was going to be your career back when you began? Did you even know it was a career no. option? Right. No, my, my finance major, I'm not doing anything with my finance major. So sorry. No, yeah. that's just, I mean, I mean that's how it goes, you know, and, and ha- who would have, who would have known? And so it's wonderful. Thank you. Anything else that you want to add, you know, in closing or where, if nothing else to add, you know, where could people find a little more about you? Yeah, I do want to say one oh, thing because I, I wrote this down beforehand because um, when I talk to leaders, um, one of the things I kind of tell them is when they're working with their teams, I think that this is a really important step. And this doesn't take any coaching um, in order to implement. Um, having a conversation with each of their direct reports that says this. How do you want to be led? How do you want to be recognized? How do you want to be encouraged or pushed? And how do you want to be held accountable? Really tells you a lot about your team and what they need. And then those answers to those questions really help set expectations for your relationship with your direct report. Yeah. So um, I use that with most of the leaders that I work with. I give them those four questions and say, okay, now go and talk to your people about those. And they come back with such great insights that they didn't have to have them do, you know, the strengths, you know, the strengths assessment in order to figure that out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think really just asking questions is, um, what and how questions, open-ended questions are really important. Um, it starts a conversation. So anyway, so where Uh, you can find me, um, sorry that I had to throw that in. No, it was good. Before you do the, the, where you can find you, um, I'll say this, because I've I've know I know Brian very well and I know you fairly well. That's something you and he have very much in common is asking great questions and open ended questions. So mm-hmm. um, I've I've enjoyed that about both of you. Yeah, you know it's funny. <laughs> I think I learn a lot of that from Brian watching him manage people. I mean, he's pretty. I would say he's pretty good at it. I'm I agree. maybe a little biased. I, I used to but, work for him. I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> but over you know over these twenty one years of marriage. My gosh, we're over 20 years of marriage. It's kind of cool, crazy and cool at the same time. Um, watching him manage people has really informed how I coach people because I've gotten to see really what a good leader does. And we have a lot of great conversations and uh, we do work together in somewhat in helping do strategic planning for small organizations. Mm-hmm. And so getting to walk through that with him has really helped inform how I leadership coach as well. <laughs> Awesome. So I got to give him some props yeah, there. So, yeah. um, yeah, so you can find me. Um, I have a website out there, which is um, Illuminate, which is the, the word Illuminate LC for leadershipcoaching.com. And um, if you go out there, you can find out all about me. And actually, Brian's on the website, I, too. I was going to say, um, I just looked at it again today. It looks great. And I and I saw Brian on there. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, because our dream our dream after, you know, in many years from now, when we retire, we still want to do things with um, nonprofits and helping organizations kind of push themselves forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that'll happen for quite a while, but you know, you never know what God gotta will have do. a dream. So, yep. <laughs> yes, got to have a dream. So thank you so much for having yeah. me on today, Dave. Thank you, Emily. This has been great. I really appreciate it and talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.
All right. Thank you. Big thanks to George Fox Digital for producing this podcast. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to the George Fox Talks podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you stream from. And if you want to dig in more to this stuff or see what else George Fox community is talking about, check out georgefox.edu forward slash talks or by searching on YouTube for George Fox Talks.